0: Log Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday. I am Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are ready to resume. I thank God for having a little time off last week. We uh, were down in New Orleans and also had a chance to go to Baton Rouge to visit my younger sister, and so we just had quite a time eating catfish and shrimp and all kinds of stuff, and you know that, uh, if you know anything about me, you know I like eating. But in any event, let's, uh, let's not prolong the hour, but instead have a word of prayer and get right into what I believe is a very, very important passage of Scripture for today. So let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll I'll double back and catch up just a little bit. Eternal God, our Father, in Jesus' name, we come to say thank you. God, we bless you, and we praise you for your faithfulness. We thank you, and we praise you, O God, for spending time with us, and then not, not just spending time with us, but giving us some time to step away for a second and refresh ourselves So, also, we thank you for a time of refreshment. Now, Father, as we enter into your word tonight, we don't have to tell you that we don't know in your word without you. So lead us and guide us. Father, help us to understand, and not just understand your word, but show us how to apply it to our lives today. As we often say, your word is is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. So help us, Father, as we walk through life by your word. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, one of the things that that um, I want to remind you of is last week, we we finished, or oh, week before last, we talked about the freedom and, and sacrifice. And now this week we move on to another subject. And I need to make sure that you understand that that Paul is addressing um, division within the household of faith. And the many things that are going on that call... Hey, Angie, how you doing? Uh, and the many things that cause people or calls the church to be divided. Now tonight, when we look at this passage, and we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going into the church service. We're going into worship, because apparently there are some things that are going on in the worshiping experience in Corinth that is causing confusion and division. And so that's what we want to look at. Now, I want to I want to look at it tonight, and I'm going, to, I'm going to take a holistic view, meaning that what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the passage that we're going to, to take a look at, and it's uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to go back and we're going to break it down, and we're going to answer some questions. And, and, and the question, the main question that we have to answer is, what does this mean to us today? Okay, so let's start out by just reading the whole thing, and I'll read it for you. I'll read out of the NIV version, and, so, and I'll start at verse 1, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. And it reads as follows. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I passed them on to you. Now I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as though her head was shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. And if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut or shaved off, she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for long hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, I want to show you something. First of all, I'm going to tell you that I'm getting ready to walk through a minefield. Because this passage of scripture has been used in the wrong way for so long that it's ridiculous. How many of you who have been in church have seen women get up to speak, especially in the Baptist or the Pentecostal churches, African-American Baptist and Pentecostal churches, and seen them get up, and they have... Um, some type of scarf or something on their head where they normally don't wear uh, any scarves or anything in the worship service because they're getting up to speak. They have a scarf over their head or they have a hat on their head. Uh, There are some denominations that basically say that a woman cannot get up and speak in the church unless her head is covered. And I'm going to tell you, that that is not what this scripture, what this passage of scripture demands. And so, and I, and I know that it, it, it might seem unusual, but I w- I'm going to take this apart. And when I take it apart, the, or before I take it apart, the first thing that I have to do is I have to un- make you understand where Paul is coming from and why. First of all, Remember what we said in our introduction some months ago, that this was a cross-cultural assembly, meaning that you had Romans, you had Greeks, you had Hellenized Jews, you had um, Hebraic Jews, you had a cross, and and some more folk that that are not even prominent in society, Because where was Corinth? Corinth was at the crossroads. And because of it, you had an influx of all types of people coming in. And with those people, uh, with those different people, they represented different cultures. And they brought different cultural norms in. So imagine, if you will, you've got a Hebraic Jew sitting in one corner, and then you've got a, uh, a, a a Greek sitting in another corner. They come with different cultures, and each culture has a way of dressing. For example, Greek men hardly wore any clothes. I mean, they would wear were the equivalent of a sheet with a belt around it, and that was it because of their culture. Literally, they were walking around naked for all intents and purposes. Then you had um, Romans, and Romans would have an un- maybe an undergarment on, but they had a robe that covered them, and the robe was of varying length, depending upon their station and status in life. So sometimes you had the long robe, sometimes you had the robe that, that stopped at the knees, and then for others, they, their robe, the... the um, the to- it was like a toga or something that was about, oh, hit them right at the hips. Then you had the Jews, and the Jews dressed differently. And you had the Hebraic Jew that was dressing one way, and then you had the Hellenized Jew who was dressing more like the Greek. So you bring all of those dresses together. Then on top of that, uh, multiply that by the way women dress. Women had more coverings over them. They had more garments over them. But again, um, different things, they dressed differently. You had some women who basically um, it, was, it was sinful or it was looked down upon if they had their arms out. And still others that, that um, dressed, the Jewish women, when they came outside, they had their heads and their faces covered. So you had all of these different cultural clashes going on, and then let's stir it up a little bit more. Let's stir it up a little bit more, okay? And then on top of that, you had the women with their newfound freedoms in Christ, and we talked about that before, where where women were getting up and in in certain circumstances they weren't allowed to talk like. For example, if you were a Jew in the temple and a woman, you you stayed in your place, you you weren't allowed to talk, and so then you had the the Greek women who were, and if they came from uh, society, they were quite vociferous, and they would break in in the middle of a speech and ask questions, and they thought everything was fine simply because, look, we're free to do that, and so in all of this, you've got you've got some people in here that are are are, 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 based, are, are confusing one another with what they're doing, and in, and they're trying to and Paul is trying to put them in order because there's some complaints about the way that women are dressing in the church. That's um, that's that's really what it all boils down to. And so Paul begins by saying, first of all, follow my example as I follow Christ. And then he goes on to say, uh, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I passed them on to you. Now watch how he does this because he's going to make his first appeal to order based upon headship. He's going to make it based upon headship. And in this and this example that he uses, there's a lot of arguments that go on by theologians that that basically say, what does he mean by headship? Because is he saying that it is a hierarchy? And I'm going to say no, this is not a hierarchy. but instead, if we read this word, Kefeli, which, is, which the word head is translated from, will also understand that it, it, that it comes from, it is, a, it is a translation of the Greek or the Hebrew word ros. So, and that word means the source of. So now, if you read it from that direction, it says, first of all, it says, now I want you to realize that the source of Every man is Christ, and the source of the woman is man, and the source of Christ is God. Mm. So it he emanates from or, uh, 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 well, basically, he comes from, he comes from, he is provided for, from that, uh, as they say, um, the man the woman from man, Christ from God, and man from christ that 's the source and that 's what he 's basically saying he 's not saying hierarchy he 's basically saying he 's just the source of now, when you read it that way, now wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, so wait a minute, the source of Christ is God, but I thought that Christ Jesus. And God, the Father and the Son, are one. Well, think about it for a second. The incarnate Christ was brought back to life by God. Mm-hmm. Remember, he says God wouldn't allow death to have him, but instead he raised him from the dead. God spoke to and He got up. It was because of the work of God in the life of the incarnate Christ. So it does not; it does not go against the principle of the Trinity. Paul is, is speaking metaphorically, by the way. It is a metaphor. It is an example. So there's nothing in this metaphor that says that um, that God created Jesus like some denominations believe. No, Jesus was not a created being. Jesus was from the beginning. Amen? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There there it is. The Word became flesh you got you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta get there. and now what what about but man but woman from man? Go back to Genesis. God created man from the dust of the earth and then he created woman from man. That's what, that's all he's saying. That is all he's saying. So don't get the notion that it is a hierarchy. No, it's not, it's not a hierarchy that he is putting together here. It is basically the sourcing of, amen, and the source of man's life. And it does not say that the source of woman's life. It just says the source of man's life is Christ. You who were dead in your sins have been quickened by Christ. Remember that passage? So, When you look at that, that's what he's setting up here. That's what he's setting up. Let's keep going. He says, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covers, dishonors his head. Who is? What is his head? We're not talking about this thing right here. We're not talking about this head. We're talking about the head. Who did he establish was the head of man? Christ is the head of man, and when we cover our head, when we pray or prophesy with our head covered, head covered. Now watch this now, because I'm going I'm I'm to weave this thing back and forth in such a way that, it, that we can kind of unbraid it and not be confused. He dishonors Christ. Why is that? Hang on, let me keep going. And every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovers dishonors her head. Well who does he say is that head of the woman? Man. Man. So what are we seeing here? What are we seeing? And what does it mean to have your head covered or your head uncovered? There is something here in the translation that is missing, that is missing. Because a lot of times what people, what, I mean, remember I gave you the example of, of how in certain churches the woman has to come up and she has to put a, a scarf or a hat over her head before she can speak to the congregation. They're not necessarily talking about, they're not necessarily talking about putting on a shawl or a man who uh put has a hat on his head they're not talking about that they're talking about hair they are talking about the hair on the head of a man and on the head of a woman how'd you get that just by going through the Greek translation that's the and and to try to go through that tonight is just not only is it difficult, but it's slightly out of my reach because although I've taken Greek classes and Hebrew classes and I've got decent marks in them, that does not qualify me as a scholar. And when I read the works that the scholars had, the scholars were even confused. And there's big arguments about that. But basically this points toward the hair of a man or the hair of a woman. That's what it points toward. And why, does, why do you say that? Well, hair symbolized different things. When they talk about head uncovered and head covered, they're talking about the status of their hair. Hair, or the way the hair was worn, set out different signals. For example, a man who wore his hair long and cut in the style of a woman was viewed as a homosexual. That was the sign that that particular hairstyle sent that I am a homosexual. A woman who had her head shaved or cut short sent out sent out the potential of uh, several signals. First of all, if the woman's hair was shaved and she was a Jewish woman, she sent out a signal that I am guilty of adultery, that I'm an adulteress. Mm -hmm. Another woman who could appear with her head shaven Was sending out the signal, or cut short like a man, was sending a signal that said, I am a lesbian. I am the male partner in a lesbian relationship. Do you see where this is going? These hairs out, a woman from another culture who came with her hair down and loose could send several signals too. One of them is, I am available for marriage. Another signal that that hairdo could have sent is, I am available for hire, meaning that I am a temple prostitute. So the signs uh, that that these hairdos sent basically sent a signal to the people throughout the congregation as to their availability or their sexual preference or or their, e- even if they, it was real braided up real good, sometimes it signaled that I am somebody because I got the time and the money to spend getting my hair uh, 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 braided in this uh, uh, ordinate manner. So the hairstyles said a lot and Paul now is saying wait a minute wait a minute we're sending all these mixed signals and, and this one is offended because this one is wearing our hair this way and that one's offended because this one's wearing our hair that way and they're sending all these mixed signals and and, and wait a minute let's put this in order and so he's, he goes on to say if a woman, If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. And if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut or shaved off, she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. Oh, oh. Not only were these signs that, that, that sent different signals, but even for the Jews... A shaved head could signal a sign of shame, a sign of grief, or if they'd taken a Nazarite vow and Paul in Acts took a Nazarite vow, and what did he do? He let his hair grow. So somebody, somebody sitting in the congregation could see a man with long hair and think either he's sending a signal that he gave or he's taking a Nazarite vow. And then when that man showed up and his hair was cut, then all of a sudden they said, oh, he must have fulfilled his vow. You see, there are so many different signals being sent in this congregation that it is confusing. And, oh, by the way, I know that people said that, that you know, women during that time period, uh, when they came out of the house, all women... Uh, had their heads covered, and they were veiled. That's not true. That was true of Jewish women, and specifically of Hebraic Jewish women, because Hellenized Jewish women followed the patterns of the Greeks. Now, but those who were not Hellenized, those who were uh, um, Greek, uh, who were who were, uh, um, excuse me, those who were not Hellenized um, they covered themselves so again, you've got confusion coming from every different direction and it is this confusion that we brought into the 21st century and we try to govern ourselves versus this passage and we can't do it but this passage does give us something, and there's a teaching in this passage that, that we have to get to. And what's the teaching? The teaching is this. What signal are you sending? That's what you have to ask yourself. The way I wear my hair or the way I dress, because that's really what we've got to get at. The way I present myself, before God, what signal do I send? Now chew on that for a minute, because now we have you know in the house of household of faith, there's a lot of conversations going on, especially amongst pastors about the 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 dress, specifically how certain women are dressing. This is too low cut. This is too tight. And you know, I'm gonna tell you right now, uh, I got a bunch of sisters. A wife, and everybody's got their little idiosyncrasy. For example, I got one, I have one, and, and I, I, I praise God that my wife uh, uh, puts up with it, and that is, I don't like to see her going to church on Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I don't care, but on Sunday with pants on. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a woman wearing pants to church. Nothing at all. That's just my little hang-up. Every woman in the church could have pants on. I don't care. But mine, I like seeing her in a dress. Don't. And that's just the way I was raised. I was raised that women were uh, dressed to church on Sunday. Period. And my wife, she humors me by going along with it and just say, yeah, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. And she wears a dress and looks nice in them and I, I appreciate that. But I can't impose a standard of dress on anybody, anyone. But what we can do is use this to see what is he saying. Do you honor your source with the way you present yourself in the assembly of the saints? Do you honor your head with the way you present yourself before God? Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? Do you honor God with the way, with the presentation of yourself? Now, first of all, we know that uh, if we put on a dress or if we put on a suit and tie, and man, this goes for us too, by the way. If we come up in there with a muscle shirt on and trying to show our muscles and trying to show our this, that, and the other, or if we come in there and we are trying to impress somebody with our $500 tie and our $3,000 suit, we've got our reward. We've got exactly what we came for because we did not come with an attitude that honored our head but instead we came to glorify ourselves and our what we wear and how we present ourselves glorifies us and does not come with an attitude to give glory and honor to our head. hmm Take that. You see what I'm saying? That's how in the 21st century that we have to approach this passage. That's what God is saying uh, oh, yes, yeah, tight skinny jeans and, you know, again, is it glorifying God? Is it glorifying God? Are you wearing them because it's the style and you want to show that you are in style, or are you wearing them skinny jeans to show off your butt? You knew the dress was tight when you left. Why did you wear that particular dress? Why did you wear this particular hairstyle? And if a woman shows up with her head shaved today, does that mean that she is a promiscuous woman or does that mean that she's an adulteress? How about this? That woman got cancer, and because of chemotherapy, all her hair is falling out. Mm-hmm. You see, so if we focused in on just the hairstyle, or if we focused in on the uh uh the way that they that they that 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 a person what a person has on, we're gonna miss it. If we focus in this passage about um this hair issue. We miss it. What we have to do is we have to look at and we have to see that the continuation from chapter 10, what does it say? Do not call, I'm at verse 32, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I'm not seeking, what, my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Follow, verse 1, there's a the key. Follow my example. What is the example when we dress? I am seeking to glorify God by serving others and taking my rights and chucking them to the wind. So, yes, we can wear what we want to wear in the house of God, but, but does it glorify God? Does it bring honor to your head, or does it dishonor them? That's what we have to look at. That is, in in fact, the key to interpreting this passage. So, when you go to church Sunday, or when you go anywhere, ask yourself the question as you look in your closet, as I get ready to get dress today and go into worship, is this outfit going to honor God? Will this outfit that I'm wearing today bring honor to my husband? Will what I'm wearing bring honor to my wife? Will what I'm wearing bring honor to the congregation that I serve? Or am I going to, because I can, dishonor God and be an attention grabber, will I be a distraction in the household of worship because I chose to dishonor God and honor myself? Wow. That's deep. But it's rich, isn't it? So... Being a servant also means being a servant in how we present ourselves. And how we present ourselves is, um, how do I want to put it, is indicative of what's going on inside of us. How we present ourselves in the household of faith before God is an indication of what's going on inside of us. Now, that's deep too, isn't it? What do you mean by that? Well, if I'm suffering from low self-esteem and I want to esteem myself, then I ain't thinking about nobody but myself. If I want to honor myself, I'm not thinking about nobody but myself so there's some turmoil going on inwardly with us when we move in an ostentatious fashion towards the presentation of ourselves before God i think the i think that in some instances that the older generation had it right when they made sure that we dressed in a more modest style. But I think sometimes they went a little bit too far. And I think this current generation is going a little bit far in the other direction. So in this teaching tonight, what did we learn? We learned, first of all, that this passage asked us the question, what signal are you sending? Now, I could have went a whole lot deeper into that because Some of us with the way we dress and uh, whether we want to admit it or not, we send in some signals. We are sending some signals. And there's some signals that ought not be sent, especially in the household of faith. So what signal am I sending according to the way I dress? And secondly, ask yourself, am I honoring God? Now, it's, and I know that my audience generally is African-American. I want to say something. Boy, y'all sisters know y'all fine. Yes, Jesus loves me. Thank you, Lord, for y'all sisters. But I want, and, and and creative, creative in your dress. Yes, y'all are. I saw some things over this past month where um, a lot of the ladies were dressing in African garb, and they were putting on all these 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 you know them wraps around the head. Woo Yes, yes, yes. Regal Queens looking good. Got no qualms about it. But now we gotta make sure that whatever we do, that we're not doing to show out, but instead we're doing it to honor God. Mm-hmm. Whatever we do, do it to honor God. I ain't saying that, that's, that the African guard was wrong. As a matter of fact, I think it was so right, so right, but we don't want to get no dressing contest. I love to see the women in the hats. I love to see the brothers in the suits. The one thing that I love seeing when I come into the church on Sunday morning is the, especially the deacons, when they line up in that black and white, whoa, because it takes me to a place of comfort. But if that's going to make the guy that doesn't have it uncomfortable and and, and make them get to a point where they say, because I don't have something, I can't come. And then we accept that, there's a problem. You see, first of all, God's going to look at the attitude of the heart. And then secondly, and then secondly, how you present yourself. So when you come, I don't care what you have on. I don't really care what you have on. Make sure that it honors God, and make sure before you put that on that you have the right attitude of heart. That you have the right attitude of heart. You see what did what did what did uh, uh, um, what did God have to say to uh, Samuel when Samuel went to anoint David? He said. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so when we appear before God, we got to appear before him with a proper attitude first. Second, then we worry about the sign that we're sending toward everybody else. But if we're sending the right signal, sign toward everybody else but the wrong signal to God, you might as well come up in there with you know them sweatpants or what you call them things, and bicycle shorts or whatever them things are that they, they wear now. You might as well come up in there with a, a pair of them undersized. Everybody see what I'm saying here? So this passage also, and I'm a, I'm gonna close out with this because I'm running a little bit over. It. This passage also says that remember we talked about that it wasn't a it was a, it was a source and not a hierarchy that he talks about at the beginning, look at it at the end. It, all, it further says that we depend on each other. Look at verse 11. In the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. We need each other. Woman came from man, but man is born of woman, and everything comes from God. Back to those earlier visions, doesn't it? So it's not like, you know, man can lord it over the woman because I'm the boss. No, no, that's not what it's saying at all. Get that in your head. That's not what it's saying. It says we depend on each other. We depend on each other. And so how we treat each other, how we view one another, is very important. And then it says, uh, verse 13, Judge for yourself, is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? Again, now he's writing from Jewishness. Now he's writing from a Jewish perspective. Because by this time, Jews are trimming their hair. Now, uh, if you go and you study Greek culture, um, specifically um, certain, the Spartans, for example, the Spartans, at one point, they let their hair grow really, really long. But then they came to a point where they, where they figured out this long hair is getting in the way. And our enemy is able to grab us by the hair and use that against us. So they start cutting their hair off. And cutting it short, no. But Jewish men and Jewish women, uh, their thought processes was that the woman should have long hair, and the, because it was her glory, and the man's hair needed to be uh, trimmed. If you go back into the Old Testament, you'll see places where they said, "Don't cut it at all." So again, it's a cultural thing. But getting beyond all of the first century culture, what we have to make sure that we understand is we have to make sure that we understand that this speaks to how we present ourselves before God with the right attitude, sending the right signals to our brothers and sisters. That's the teaching for tonight. And he ends it by saying, If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. He started it out saying that you guys follow the traditions that I taught you, and this is what I taught you, and this is what we follow from beginning to end. And that capsulizes the whole teaching right there. Amen? So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll call it a night. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We thank you that... We understand what Paul was saying, that it is so important that we uh, make sure that we follow the proper procedures and customs when we stand before you, that we don't dishonor anybody, that we don't dishonor anyone, but instead that we honor our brothers and sisters even as we honor you with the way that we present ourselves before you. how this looks will vary from congregation to congregation, from country to country. But we understand the principle. We bless you and we praise you, God, for this revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so that's our teaching for tonight. Uh, Next week we'll start into the Lord's Supper. And I think that we'll probably be in this... um, uh, the Lord's Supper for a little, for more than a minute, because there's a lot in this passage, and there's a lot that we need to understand and unpack. And I think that um, we're gonna be here for a minute. We're gonna be here for a minute. So, are there any questions? I forgot to ask that before I started praying because I, I, I recognize that I went a little bit over tonight. Any questions by anybody? Going once, going twice. Okay. I'll see everybody next week, 7 p.m. This has been Pastor Winfred Burns, and you have been with the Word on Wednesday. Have a good evening. Bless you now.